Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. When God created the world, he built unity into the creation. God himself is the essence of unity. Three persons, but one Godhead. We'll hear about more about that in a couple weeks. But man was created for the purpose of having unity with God. And that unity was also exercised in the one flesh unity between man and woman. Into this world, God gave his word. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Unity with God's word gave Adam and Eve life. But into God's newly created world of truth, Satan brought a lie. He brought division. He preached a different gospel, a gospel that said that Adam and Eve could be their own gods. The devil gave them the false gospel of individualism, teaching them to believe that they were better off without God's word, without God, and without each other. Such division wrecked the order of God's creation. Man and woman did not subdue creation, but listened to it. The woman wanted to exercise authority over the headship of her man. And man and woman together despised God's authority and wished to be in charge instead. By listening to the voice of the serpent, Adam and Eve caused the unity they had to break. And now they would know the breaking of that unity, even in their own flesh. In the day that they died, their body and soul would no longer be unified and their bodies would return to the earth and disintegrate. Adam and Eve's confession of false doctrine broke their unity. That's what false teaching does. It causes division. The most loving thing Adam could have done for Eve would have been to say to her, no, you cannot eat that fruit. The serpent is teaching falsely, and we will not listen to his word. That's why St. Paul writes this way in Romans. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Unity is only attained around the truth. Ultimately, unity is found in a common confession of God's word. That's why all who are confirmed in our churches take a solemn vow before God that they will not join a church that teaches 
that the scriptures can contain error, or that you should not believe what the small catechism says. So if you belong to a church that refuses to teach in accord with the whole Bible and the small catechism, you are duty-bound by love to leave that fellowship and join one that does. Unity. That is the topic from our gospel lesson today. Jesus desires unity. And in this text, Jesus specifically prays for unity. Today in our gospel reading, Jesus prays for you. John 17 is what is known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. That in this chapter, Jesus is doing what the Old Testament high priest would do. He prays for the people. In the first few verses, Jesus prays that the Father would see all that Jesus was doing and bless him for it. Next, Jesus goes on to pray for the apostles, those who would preach and go on to write the New Testament. And finally, we come to today's text, where Jesus prays not only for them, not only for the apostles, but those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus is praying for those who would hear the apostolic word and come to faith. In other words, Jesus is praying for you and me. And for what does Jesus pray? That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That they may all be one. That is Jesus' prayer for us. Unity, oneness, wholeness. That's the Lord's desire for us. And this isn't something that Jesus simply prays about. He does something about it too. He takes all of our sins of disunity with him to the cross. And he dies. In order to make unity, in order to restore unity in his own flesh on the cross to break down the dividing wall of hostility between us and God, between us and our neighbors. That we would know and confess what St. Paul describes in Ephesians 4, that there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Jesus is the one head of the church, and he has one body. There is only one bride of Christ, only one Christian church. And so there is unity in the Lord's church. Though we look out at the world and the multiplicity of denominations, we confess one holy Christian church. Or as Jesus says in Mark 16, 
Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So we recognize the validity of all Christian baptism. Though we look out at the world and the many denominations, we confess that there is a unity that we cannot see. All the way back in 1896, there was a Lutheran Witness article that noted that we teach and confess that there is a church among the Protestants, that they have the ministry of Christ, and it would not be right to evangelize in their churches. And in regard to the Catholic Church, Luther said in 1528, and our synod quoted it in 1850, we confess that the Catholic Church has the true Holy Bible, the true baptism, the true sacrament of the altar, the true keys for the forgiveness of sins, and the true ministry. Yes, they are Christians. Yes, they have faith in Jesus. Yes, there is a unity with them. But even with all that said, we see these apparent divisions among Christianity. Baptists who don't baptize babies. A Roman Catholic Church who says submission to the Pope is necessary for salvation. Lutherans who say we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. Yet church bodies who deny that truth. Jesus seeks unity and he prays for it. He prays that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prays that we would have the kind of unity that exists within the Trinity. But his prayer seems to have gone unanswered. So what are we to do? How are we to attain the unity of which Jesus prays? How are we to have the unity which Jesus desires for us? I think in some sense we should look at unity as we we see how Jesus has won victory over sin and yet we still have sin in this world. And so also Jesus died to give us unity and yet we still see where it seems to be lacking. Now some Christians think that the church should have a show of unity that we should all get together and pray and worship as if none of our differences matter. Others will say we should just agree that Jesus is somehow really present in the supper, and that's good enough for unity. Still others say that while we recognize that there are divisions, we should simply say that they don't matter. Ultimately, All these approaches claim that what Jesus has said doesn't matter and isn't important. For us to be the ones making unity on our own, 
ultimately causes disunity. For some to say that doctrine, it doesn't matter, is both a doctrine and a dangerous one at that. It effectively says that getting along is more important than truth and love. For it is by being divided from that truth, the one truth of the Lord's word, that the church becomes broken into factions and cliques. And so we see disunity within the church on earth. So let us do what Jesus does. Jesus brings this concern before his Father in prayer. He prays for unity. He does not pray to us that we would make unity, but to his Father, to the only one who can accomplish unity. He does not say, therefore, go and make unity among all nations, but go, teaching all things I have commanded you. Our unity is not found in forcing it to exist. True unity is found in the truth of God's word, by believing that word and confessing it. So we follow Jesus' example and pray to the only one who can make unity, our Father in heaven, who hears our cries. We pray that God would bring into unity all who have error and are deceived, that he would root out and correct our own errors. Luther writes, And because unbelief is still so strong in us, We must constantly occupy ourselves with the word, proclaiming, hearing, and learning it. Since we cannot absorb it all at once, we need to grow in it day by day until we have grasped it as well as it can be grasped here on earth. So we read and we study God's word to learn its truth. We go to church to hear that truth proclaimed. And where unity around that truth exists in this world, where we confess a oneness in doctrine, there we commune together. There we rejoice in the true unity that we share. There that we are united together around this one altar says that we are in unity as Jesus prays. Yet, In this world, as long as the devil, the father of lies, is active, division is going to exist. There are those who confess a different gospel, who have declared by their church membership that their confession is different from our own. So as to whether they can commune with us, we say, not yet. Let's first find out if we agree and then go from there. And then we commend this and all things to our gracious Father in heaven. We pray in hopeful expectation of our final unity in heaven, where all error will be done away with, where only the truth will remain, where we will have perfect unity with God and with one another, united together in the eternal wedding feast of the Lamb.
Make it soon, Lord Jesus. Please, make it soon. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. In the peace of God, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.